everyone. Welcome to Sinful Sarah's Horror Menagerie. I am your host, Sarah Sin, or Sin for short. Here with me, as always, is my minion of evil and my partner in crime, Nathaniel. Hi, everybody. Again, on our show, we don't just talk about horror movies and our love for them. We also try to bring in the element of horror history and how a lot of horror movies tend to reflect society's fears. And then again, I'm a psychology major, so we try to bring in the element of mental health or psychology, whether it be how horror movies are therapeutic in a way or how the movie itself we're discussing um, reflects mental health in any way. Mm -hmm. So continuing our month of love with werewolves, we are doing actually one of my favorite um, werewolf movies is the 2002 Dog Soldiers. I, I love this movie. Directed by Neil Marshall. And again, I apologize if I mess up on these names. We got Sean Pertwee as Sergeant Harry G. Wells, but he's usually just known as Sarge. And he was in Howl, one of the other ones we did. Yep. That was fun. Kevin McKidd as Private Cooper, which again, I'll probably just refer to as Cooper. I'm going to refer to them how they were how they talked about each other in the movie. And a lot of people would know him from Grey's Anatomy. He plays Owen. Emma Cleasley as Megan. Liam Cunningham as Captain Ryan, which they just call Ryan. And he was in, I recognized him from Game of Thrones. Yeah, he was in Game of Thrones. Davros, yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, Thomas Lockyer, Lockyer as Bruce, or Ca Corporal Bruce Campbell, Bruce. Darren Morfitt as Spoon Witherspoon, which they all just call Spoon. Uh, Chris Robson as Private Joe Kirkley, which I think they just called him Kirkley or Joe. I can't remember now. Mm -hmm. And Leslie Simpson as Private Terry Milburn, which I know they refer to him as Terry. Yeah. So uh, horror history. So <laughs> this is one I kind of had a little bit of fun with. I know it's um, a form, it's, it was made not in America, but I still kind of caught on to how I see it as, I guess, an American and what I can pick out. That makes sense. So this is a very military heavy theme movie. It is about soldiers, about an army of soldiers. And I kind of picked out, so in the early 2000s, there was a big fear because 9-11, there became this huge fear of foreign invaders and fear of terrorists. And a lot of the movies uh, kind of reflected on that, which is actually how like the torture porn subgenre kind of came out was their idea was, um, torture porn, this is a quote from my essay, torture porn depicted horrors and atrocities that were so awful, so terrible, as if to numb the viewers, yet these images were nowhere near the real horrors projected onto every TV and computer screen. And that was actually McBrail, 2018. I had to cite that one. Mm -hmm. So with like terrorists and torturing of terrorists on both sides and Bush's war on terror, many of these movies kind of hinted at fearing outsiders and fearing foreign invaders. So I kind of looked at it in a way as like the house is America, the army is in the house protecting the home and the werewolves are like the terrorists trying to invade into that house is the one I picked up, which I know that's not exactly all sure. from my point of view and like looking at my essay, that's kind of what I saw it as. I know there's a lot of like, it's really about like um, military corruption and you know, how they can be seen as expendable. Right because they even talk about that, which we'll talk about later. So that was kind of my horror history. I kind of picked up that I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of interesting for me to see. Even though it's a foreign movie, I still saw it that way as like the fear of foreign invaders, because that's what was trying to be like, like drilled into your brain at that time was like, you need to fear these people. They're coming into your homes and they're coming into, you know. Right. It was really, and it was everywhere. Like you couldn't get away from it. And it was very hard. At least I remember it, just, it was hard to see all that kind of stuff. and being told this stuff but I'm like Ugh. Mm -hmm. so psychology mental health again I had a little bit of a hard time because I was having a hard time hearing that getting through those very thick accents and I didn't have closed captioning on so I had to rewind a lot mm -hmm. there's a lot of like being compliant submissive being seen as subordinate or less than less than there's manipulation corruption there's sacrifice and of course there's the fight-or-flight response and conditioning and even though they're soldiers they still have a fight or flight response, mm -hmm. um, but they're kind of trained and conditioned to give into that fight response. Right. It doesn't mean their response isn't there. They still have it. They're just severely conditioned to always go with fight, which is what their job is. So that was another one I, I kind of picked out. So I, I don't know. But what about you? What did you pick out? <laughs> uh, I mean, in terms of, I mean, this movie to me doesn't, there, I don't think there's a lot of levels to this film. Um, mm -hmm. 
uh, and uh, I mean, I look at it as Zoe uh, took, you know, Predator and Aliens and then threw werewolves in it. And um, which is great. I mean, like, I don't, I, but uh, to find deeper levels in it is a little bit more of a challenge. It's a, it's a lot of, a, it's a very fun movie, um, very action packed film. Um, but its influences are very, very clear. Um, mm-hmm. And um, Neil Marshall definitely knew what he was making. Um, and uh, which is, again, is fantastic. That's, uh, that's something that uh, a lot of filmmakers, I don't, I'm not sure do anymore. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, in terms of deeper levels and, and uh, uh, you know, in a post nine 11 world. Um, I mean, I guess you could, you could look at it that way. I mean, uh, almost any movie I think that was going to have military in it would have the conversation. I mean, one of the plot points is the entire scenario sort of occurs as a result of British SAS looking to create super soldiers. Yes. Um, With the werewolves. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, I mean, there is that. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you could definitely, you could make that connection if you wanted to, in the sense that a post nine 11 world was much more militaristic, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to a point that was almost uh kind of almost a new arms race occurring um, in, except that in, instead of a very visible enemy, like we had in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, the cold war era, yes. um, what we had instead was an invisible enemy that could be anywhere. And uh, so, I mean, yeah. So yeah, you could make that, that idea of uh, connecting the werewolves to that, to that idea, to the idea that uh, uh, the enemy is is at the door uh, and comes out of nowhere, and there is something there is something vaguely you could make it. I think you could make an argument for some vague xenophobia in this film. The the idea that ultimately the werewolves seem to represent some sort of other culture mm-hmm. um, or native culture, uh, uh, which it, I would actually make more of that more of that connection to the idea of um, colonialism. I think mm-hmm. in this film, the idea of, uh, uh, you know, we have our, we, we were introduced to, I don't think they say exactly what she is, but she's a scientist of some kind, uh, seems to be a sociologist or anthropologist. I think, yeah, either anthropologist or um, a zoologist, something like that, but she yeah. works with nature. Right. And she, she knows, remember. and she knows a lot about the, and she connects the werewolves directly to local culture Yes. Uh, and and local history to the idea that there that the outsiders are actually the characters we're following and so i think you could make a, a colonialist argument uh you know in a post-colonial way of this being about foreign invaders but the foreign invaders are us you know the white people mm-hmm. um true and uh so i mean yeah you could you but yes you could connect a a, a militaristic style a film about military um to that uh and that so yeah i mean i, I i'm not sure if I, I i have i have anywhere else to go with that thought but yeah but generally yeah i could see what i could see a, a post 9 11 uh thought process here sure yeah i i just was picking up because i was reading again i always try to look at my essay for like the time it comes out to see like what i wrote about because there's more than what i wrote about but those like i i tried to pick two yeah um i also connected them to the soldiers themselves because there's a line that megan says they're doing exactly what you'd be doing in their shoes working together as a team looking for a weakness and a way in almost like the werewolves are also the metaphor of the soldiers yes so i was like hence dog soldiers it's kind of what I thought too. Was like maybe they're also using them, or maybe they were trying to use them as the metaphor of the soldiers themselves. So, yeah. which is why the movie's called Dog Soldiers. Or I could be completely wrong, but that was like another um, thing I I picked up was the whole idea of like she was connecting that they're just like you, like yes. they're doing exactly what you would do and and what you're actually doing. Right. And so they're no different than you. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're also using it as like they're the soldiers themselves, mm-hmm. you know, working together. So that was another connection I, I tried to make that I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting too. Like, I kind of like that. Like, the, you know, kind of gives me the idea of like where the name came from. Right. So, but um, 
I guess I'd like to go to the werewolves because like um, one thing I loved about this movie was I actually absolutely loved the design of the werewolf. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, but they're like, I just thought they were absolutely beautiful. And the way they moved, they were graceful and stunning and they had a very fluid movement. And then I started reading into it more. And according to IMDb, they actually used dancers over stuntmen because they wanted to highlight their grace and elegant movement movements. Right. Mm -hmm. And they put them on stilts, but they, that's why they use them. And I was like, that makes more, that makes a lot of sense as the way they moved was, was very fluid, very beautiful mm -hmm. and very graceful. Like they didn't really, they weren't jerky. They weren't like, they just, it, so I thought that was kind of cool that they used dancers. Mm -hmm. If it's true. I mean, of course, not everything on IMDb is probably true, but it made sense after I was, because the whole time I'm watching them, I'm just like, they are beautiful. I'm sorry. They're just, the way they move was just graceful, in my sure. opinion. So, mm -hmm. and you could tell they were on stilts. They were on stilts because they sure. were crazily tall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Yeah, very large werewolves in this movie. Yeah. yeah. And they were very human-esque in the body. So I remember I, I talked to you about this a little bit, but they reminded me of the Michigan Dogman story. Mm-hmm. So if people out there don't um, actually know, the Michigan Dog Man is said to be um, very tall, um, bipedal. It has the torso of a man, the head of a wolf, but canine-like feet and claws on their hands, which is exactly what these ones look like. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if he actually took the design of like the Michigan Dog Man to design this, which is actually also what the Beast of Bray Road in Wisconsin is supposedly looked like, is the same idea. So I like awesome. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the first thing I thought of when I, I remember when the first time I ever saw this movie, I was like, that looks like, the, like exactly what the Michigan Dog Man is supposed to look like is that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was kind of cool because I, I love cryptids and stories about cryptids and Sasquatch and, you know, and werewolves are considered cryptids too. And Dog Man and like the Wendigos, I love all that stuff right. and I love reading about them. So for me to watch this movie and then see like, oh my gosh, that was, I don't know, that was kind of cool for me. And then I also really liked the... The POV shot mm -hmm. of, this, of the werewolves, they were done in black and white because black the myth white. is that dogs see in black and white, but the truth right. is, and I, I actually looked this up because I wanted to know if it was true, they see in um, shades of yellow, blues, and grays. Right. They don't actually see in black and white, but it was still kind of cool to see the, the contrast between them. Like, mm -hmm. okay, now we're seeing through the eyes of the werewolf, now we're seeing through the eyes of the people. Yeah. Even though it wasn't black and white, it still was an interesting contrast for me, so... That was kind of like all my notes on werewolves, so I'm not sure how you felt about them, but well, I, I, mean, just, I really terms, loved them. In terms of the black and in terms of the black and white, I mean, I think that Marshall's probably making a point of um, uh, much like we kind of talked about with Howell, um, the 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 difference between the the wolves and the men, and that the men mm -hmm. are men are still are arguing amongst themselves, the wolves aren't. Uh, so I mean, I think the black and white thing was probably meant to see they see they see in very simple terms. They're not, they're not conflicted. Um, whereas a major plot point of course, is that we've got, uh, you know, Davros, you know, hanging around. Uh, I don't know what his character's named in this movie, but Ryan, Ryan. Uh, oh yeah. Right. Ryan. Um, I had, an, I had a few ex-boyfriends named Ryan. Yeah. Uh, where we have, where I have Ryan is literally a, uh, is a, a, a problem um, within the house. And uh, so, I mean, I think that, the black and white thing was probably less about representing how dogs or wolves see the world, but uh, in more of a metaphorical sense, like it was, you know, we're, they, they, they don't have that conflict. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I, I liked, I mean, I like the werewolves in this movie, definitely. Um, and, uh, and I mean, like I said, the whole thing kind of goes back to this movie's influences are very, very clear and, uh, I love those movies, so I'm I'm very very uh, happy with watching uh, anytime watching Dog Soldiers simply because it's just a lot of fun to watch. Um, it really is. It's very yeah. action packed, like you said. I just I it's really and I I don't, I don't know. I think it was a little bit of a for me a, a unique kind of take too on the werewolves and not just the design but like the storyline. Yeah. Too, because I don't know. I just. <laughs> like i really liked it i also noticed that like with the lighting it was they only showed dusk dawn and nighttime there's absolutely no like daytime where the sun is shining shots no. because that's only when werewolves are in their human form so this is all takes place in one night yeah it's not a you know which i actually have always loved those kind of movies i don't know why but movies that take place in one night 
mm-hmm. have always been one of those like favorite movies of mine. Like I like Empire Records and like Can't Hardly Wait. Right. Because they took place in one night. I don't or one day span. So I don't know why. It just those movies always attract me because it's like I don't know. Something yeah. about like that short time frame. You're just like, how how are they gonna get out of this when it's just one night? Yeah. And they do. I mean, well, not all of them. I'll get killed in a little bit because yeah. I actually got to have some kills in this movie, so I was excited mm-hmm. about that. Right. <laughs> As opposed to the to the last one. By and so speaking of the last one, mm-hmm. did you catch the reference to Company of Wolves in this movie? I didn't know. I had to rewind it twice. Um, I think it was Terry who says it, and he goes because they're talking about werewolves, and he's like, "What? What?" You mean full moon, silver bullets, and eyebrows that meet in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> and I was I'm like, not, yeah, I'm not sure that's I know that directly. now. I know where that comes yeah. from now. Yeah. I'm not sure that comes directly through from Company of Wolves. I think that was partly a werewolf myth, but but it could be, yeah, it could be a reference to the film itself. Oh, I never heard of the, the eyebrow in the middle until I saw Company of Wolves. Uh, and I was yeah, like, why uh, do they have unibrows? Yeah, unibrows was, uh, is, in the, is in the myth. Uh, so is... Um, uh, what's some other ones? Uh, I know silver finger, fingers are the same length. Ways, oh, okay. ways to spot a werewolf. Um, yeah, eyebrows meet in the middle and um, uh, or unibrows and uh, mm-hmm. like fingers being the same length. Um, huh. And uh, what was the other big one? There was something about physical body type that was that you could notice, but I don't remember what it was. But they yeah, were tall it, and sexy. No, no. <laughs> quite the, I think in in folklore, quite the opposite. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, it had something to do with eyes, I think, or, or something to that effect. But um, I bet they had but, like yeah. amber color eyes or something. But it could be a it could be a reference to the uh, to the movie simply because I don't know how. Uh, because it's it's so that's probably one of the few times it's been represented in pop culture. I mean, years later, after Dog Soldiers, it was brought up in um, uh, Hemlock Grove. Um, Oh, I saw that. I don't remember that, but yeah, I did. I did watch that show. I liked it. Yeah, uh, it was. It was the the I was meeting in the middle was uh, uh, yeah the actor. I can't remember the name of the actor who played the werewolf in that show, but he had a, a unibrow. Um, but yeah, I'm it's, trying to remember where I know him from. Uh, yeah, I didn't. He ended up being in the Howling Reborn as well. Um, yes, I remember him in that. I was. I'm. I'm a Bill Skarsgård fan. I can't help it. He's. Yeah. I think he's just so adorable. So, I mean, he will never talk me Jeffrey Combs, but right, he, he's quite attractive. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I have to talk about boys sometimes. There's yeah. a lot of this, really cute guys that no, do horror movies. The Scars, I'm Guard, sorry. The, the Scars Guard brothers both are very, very handsome men. Yes, they're very good looking guys. Uh, yeah, my best friend Troy, um, he, he loves Alexander. He that's like his ultimate guy. He's yeah. like, he, he's like, you can have Bill, I want Alexander. Alexander. I'm like, I'm like I Alexander, just want Ace Skarsgård. <laughs> yeah, Alexander. Alexander is known as the the uh, is is the more conventionally attractive Skarsgård. You know, from I, I was a True Blood life. fan. Yeah, I, I read every single book and I watched the entire series. Yeah. So yeah, and seeing him naked is not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I digress. <laughs> um, another thing I I was actually thinking of was um, what I mentioned in Howl is um, like the survival of oneself versus the survival of the pack. And you got Ryan, who is like Adrian, who only cares about himself. And yeah. he wants, he's the only one who wants to get out of life. He doesn't care because he's the one who's set up so these people are expendable. Yes. Which, and I'll, after this, I'll get into that. Mm-hmm. But he only fights for the survival of himself. But then you have like Sarge, who absolutely cares about his men. Yes. These are his, his troops. These are his men. This is his family. His lads. And he's, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah his lads. Mm-hmm. And he's going to fight for them and with them. And he fights for the survival of the pack. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting that that was one thing I picked up in Howl. And then as I'm watching this, I immediately picked it up in this one too. So I'm kind of interested if that's like maybe a theme in a lot of werewolf movies is like the fighting for you know, the pack or you fight for yourself. I think it brings, I think it brings to the forefront uh, by, by using the werewolf pack as the antithesis, as the antithesis, what you get to, you get to lampshade it maybe in a way that you don't in other show in other types of films. Cause I mean, what we've ultimately got is the Romero, what I call the Romero situation. Mm-hmm. It's any type, anytime you have basically characters in a location up against something you throw something at them and they fall apart inside that's that's mm-hmm. you know romero's 
living dead concept. But I think yeah, with the when you use werewolves for it, like we do, we do with Howl or uh, Dog Soldiers, what you end up getting is something that directly uh, holds a mirror up to it. Where um, maybe with a werewolf pack, unlike you know zombies or whatever, you get a sense of cohesion from the enemy. They they are working together. They're not uh, they're not conflicted. They're not fighting one another. Um, they're on the same team. Whereas, and again, like how when we were talking about, um, you know, uh, alpha concept, the alpha alpha wolf concept uh, is actually one that's found in Wolves in Captivity, where they fight mm-hmm. over who's in charge. Versus in the wild, where there uh, there's a dominant pack, a dominant a dominant breeding pair, runs the actual thing, which she actually mentions in this film. Yeah, uh, she says the alpha pair leading the subordinate. Yeah, the yeah. alpha the alpha breeding pair leads the rest of the pack, and the yeah. pack all works in one as one. Um, yes. um, versus where once again you have however in the in the house itself you do have the captivity wolves fighting over who gets to be in charge and um, between Ryan and um, uh, the lead because Sarge Cooper because Sarge since spends most of the movie injured in, yeah. uh, um, only to become only to find out he's he's going to be becoming part of the the other pack it, his, yes. he's no longer going to be part of his pack anymore Right. So he makes the uh, he makes the decision to sacrifice himself rather than become uh, one of them. One of them um, versus which Ryan, Ryan gladly invites. Ryan wants to become one of them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So you have that idea, but you so once again we're revisiting the idea that um, wolves in captivity or men in this case in captivity will fight each other over who gets to be in charge versus in the wild where uh the a male wolf and a female wolf a breeding pair work together and yeah. form a cohesive family uh family unit that will work together um and they don't fight over it they don't Mm-mm. they don't kill each other over it um so you once again get that idea that and by framing that within the concept of the military mm-hmm. where there is a clear back a uh, clear order of uh who's in charge um, that yes. falls apart once you have, you know, once you're in, rank. once you're in, yeah, and once you're in, once you're in trouble, that can that you know falls apart in this film, in the sense that there's Sarge and and Ryan, and then there's you know Cooper who is a private, mm-hmm. and is only he's considered the leader in Sarge's absence simply because he's the most capable, yes, and they all respect him. He's earned earned that spot that in Sarge's absence he is. Uh, in command, even though, do they mention? Does anybody else in that group have a, a rank higher than Ryan? You or know, they, I, I don't all, know. I don't know private? much about the army because I'm a Navy family girl, and right. I only know E five, E six, those. Yeah. But you have a sergeant of a private. There's um, a corporal, okay. and then so I'm wondering if the corporal might have been over a private. Yeah, he would. I should have asked yeah. my dad. My dad would probably know. Like he was a. E7. Oh, no, the, he was a chief in the navy. No, the corporal would be the corporal would be privates the lowest. Yes, in, I think. Okay, in, so, in the, so and Corporal so, Bruce Campbell, I think he's the one. If I remember correctly, he's the one who dies straight right in the beginning. Okay, so it would have been, so then yes, it would have gone to it had to go. To, he would, would have gone to Sarge would have had to name someone because there is actually no one ranking. They're all at the yeah. same level. Right. But like I said, I only know navy because. I came from my dad was an E seven. He was a chief, and then my biological dad was a naval officer. Right. So that's about as far as I know for military is yeah. navy ranks. Mm-hmm. So. Well, but yeah, something... I think that's yeah, that's what would have happened. I yeah. mean, technically, Ryan should have been in charge because he's a captain, but they weren't going to allow that. Well, when they they find him, he's injured as well. Yeah. Can't take command, and then when they yeah. when then. Uh, once he starts sort of like being a pain in the ass, then they're like, well, no, we're not going to follow him. Uh, once yeah. he starts getting better. Uh, once, and then they, of course, they figure out pretty quickly that he's turning into a werewolf. Um, yes. But, and that he's up he to something. It. Yeah. And that he's up to something. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's also the idea, that, I mean, they set it up very, very clearly that uh, there's already animosity between Cooper and Ryan. Well, from, yeah. Well, that- before the scenario. Well, that's like the whole beginning. So it opens yeah. with the two campers that are camping out there and 
they get killed mm -hmm. and then it goes to like i think like two hours earlier and it's like cooper's running and then ryan catches him and says i forgot what he says but he's basically said like you've been running forever and then he tells him to kill the dog kill the dog you know the dog the, go, the dog gave up his position the dog's yeah. one that finds him and, yeah, he, and says, he goes and he says no and then he says oh, what does he say if ryan says like what you won't kill the dog he's like i'll kill a dog but not that dog that did nothing wrong yeah, you know, I won't kill that dog for no reason. Yeah, no reason, yeah. And he's, and then Ryan does it. And and yeah, and the idea is that Cooper was was tra was uh, trying out for that elite. The special ops. Cross. Yeah. Be part of the special ops, yep. Yeah. And, and Ryan, Ryan won't let him in because he won't obey an order without, uh, 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 he won't obey an unjust order, and um, which is an important setup. That Cooper yes. will Co Cooper will choose morality over order, and uh, and uh, with, which I think so, is a big tussle. I think that's a big tussle in, in military too. Is like that that question of morality, and and I know it from having my ex husband is a, is a marine. Yeah, and there's a lot of you have to make quick decisions, and you know I remember hearing about you know out in Afghanistan or Kuwait that they would strap bombs to children, and you yeah. have to. Do you kill that child, right? Or do you let the kid kill hundreds, or, you know, however many people? And it's like, right. so I feel like that's a lot of like that's a struggle in the military within, in general, is that morality. And I kind of like that they put that in the movie. Is yeah. that you know, Cooper? I mean, when push comes to shove, Cooper's gonna do what's best for his troops. Yes. But, well, Cooper even says, I mean, that's that's what's very specific. Is Cooper says, "I'll oh, shoot a dog." Yeah. That's not that's not the problem. Right. The problem is, is that you're telling me to kill a dog that's done that that, that there's no reason to kill it. Exactly. Um, Cooper, if if to use the uh, to use that you know uh, analogy that you just used about you know children with a bomb, Cooper would absolutely pull that trigger. That was I think right. that's supposed to be the idea. Yeah. Cooper would be like, yeah, I'll kill anybody that needs that I have to kill because that's my job. Yes. But if you ask me to just kill uh, an innocent being that has uh, that there's no tactical reason to do so. Right. I will disobey. And Ryan says, well, no, the, the point is you need to do what I tell you to do, whatever and, that yeah. is. Um, that moral compass. Yeah. You and, know, and I think, I think that's a good thing in a way, you know, it's hard to have, I think it's hard to have a moral compass anytime, any, you know, these days. It's just, well, yeah, there's a reason why I could never be in the military because I wouldn't be able to shoot the dog at all. So, you know, same. Uh, I said that too. I can't for one. I'm, yeah. I'm like, well, now I get up at five o'clock in the morning, but I'm like, I was right. like, <laughs> originally I was like, I'm not getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I'm not the kind of person who's told what to do. Right. Like I make the, I, that's I'll, I've always been that person. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. I'd have a hard yeah. time. I would have a hard time killing a dog, even if there was, you know, for survival regardless. Yeah. I mean, it's something I thought about, you know, uh, when I think when Sam and I talked about the stand on, uh, uh, our other podcast we talked about like survival instincts and realizing mine were pretty terrible like i would have a hard time killing an animal for food in a in mm -hmm. a post-apocalyptic world let alone uh you know in this case where he's been told to kill the dog because he's told to kill the dog i'd be like yeah, I, couldn't, I, could. I couldn't kill the dog even if i needed to eat it um and uh, i'm starving to death i still would have a hard time killing the dog mm -hmm. um but I uh, agree. yeah so i mean which stand were you talking? The stand. Which one were you talking about? The oh, new miniseries or no, the no, original no. The one from the nineties? None from the nineties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, um, I was just wondering because I just watched the other one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we we did the one from the nineties uh, before the the new one came out. Uh, that oh, was gotcha. Back in, that was back in July, uh, uh, September, I think we did that. But okay. um, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it was one of our. It was like our one of our first episodes we did together uh, when he became official partner. But um. But yeah, the um, but yeah. So I mean, I think in terms of that, when you're talking about um, well, yeah, we're talking about internal power dynamic, mm -hmm. um, and the choice to make that almost entirely male is uh, is specific, I think, as well. Um, and uh, so yeah, I mean, to your point, yeah, I think you can bring in if you use the werewolves, what you end up having is something that directly points out the uh, the power dynamic. Uh, of uh, civilization versus the the monster being on the same page mm -hmm. and uh, so you get to you get to showcase that in a way that you know like with again with uh, to contrast zombies where they don't have a cohesive 
unit at all. They just keep swarming and they're meant to, they represent something very different uh, where they represent, you know, uh, pressure from society and, uh, you know, in general danger. And then, uh, but werewolves, you have something that represents something more primal, something yeah. tribal, um, you know, a, uh, an enemy that is not even really is only an enemy of circumstance. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think to, to that, I think that's a good point to make that. Yeah. The, uh, uh, werewolf, when you have a werewolf pack versus a human pack, what you get is a, uh, a reflection. Well, that was something I was trying to, I was thinking about too, about the movie was like, because there's a part where Megan's like, no, these people are actually really nice and kind people, which you find out later why, which is because Megan's actually part of the pack. Right. Um, but she's saying that, and I'm also thinking, well, maybe in a way they are, because they made sure to be off the grid and away from civilization, so they're not harming, yeah. you know, you know, maybe they went out there because there was a food supply other than humans, but then humans started hearing stories, so they started coming out. Right. And when they're in werewolf form, they don't have that human, it's all instinct. It's, they don't have that ability to yeah. rationalize and think like a human. So I'm wondering if like, maybe that's another thing is like, you know, maybe these people were trying to, you know, not be the werewolf that goes out and murders all these people. Yeah. That by finding a place that has a food supply of deer or, you know, coyotes or something else. And then people start, started coming in and that's when they were like, well, now there's nothing we can do. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> I don't know. Well, although there's, uh, I can't remember exactly how it shaked out in the film, but they, but they mentioned that uh, the SAS knew about them somehow. Because the and, stories, people were talking, like oh. people were talking about, the stories were coming out from like outside that area because it's starting to branch out. But Megan, that, was, it, uh, Megan was assigned to dealing with that SAS group though. Yeah, because she heard the story, so she went out to see if the stories were true, and then she found out, yes, they are. And the one thing I liked about Megan um, was that she's hinting a lot throughout the, like, once they meet her to the point where she admits to all this stuff, Yeah, is, like, she has so much hinting Mm -hmm. that, like, I, it it takes them a while to actually figure it out. I mean, Cooper's the one who finally figures it out that she knew Ryan, and he's the one who starts piecing things together. Right. But, like, I know at one point she was, like, um, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, it's a routine training mission. And she's like, you're not a rescue mission. And yeah. then she was like, oh, I thought you might've been here for them. Like right. you were here to kill them. And then she has a lot of other ones until finally he's like, what am I not catching on to? He's like, you know him. And then she talks about how he came in and the first time uh, Ryan came in, he met up with her. Right. And then it goes into the rest of it. Do you know why Megan didn't transform? That's been bugging me because I kept rewinding the part and I could not understand a word they were saying. Like, I just could not without closed captioning. And, but there's a reason why she's not transforming. I know. I didn't catch it. I Um, didn't either. It's been bugging me. I'm like, Ryan transformed before she did. So she obviously was doing something to stop the transformation from happening. Yeah. Which I don't know what that would be. Was she wearing I don't silver? Know. I, or? I, I kind of, I just kind of thought it was just uh, convenient screenwriting. But oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, she needed to be there to talk about stuff, so we'll just not have her transform. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know if it was like transformation at will, but they can only will it during the full moon. But then I'm like, no, because Ryan had no control over his transformation in order to start. So I'm like, there's no control. So I'm like, then how can she control it? She had to have taken something one would assume but i think it's just because she had to represent she had to be a character in the movie so I, the movie yeah. the movie <laughs> the movie said so yeah a wizard the movie did had it. to happen yeah a wizard okay. did it, as they say in uh, in the simpsons i mean that would be because i thought the same thing i was like because i i had seen the movie before and i was watching it yeah. first time and being like why isn't she why isn't she a werewolf um yeah. and uh i'm like ultimately they say she is a werewolf at the end and i'm like but she wasn't a werewolf the whole time and she's like no and she doesn't even fully transform yeah and she's like she's on the head yeah and she's very specific that they transform uncontrollably on the moon and i'm like why why isn't she controlled okay um and i guess well if if who else would explain everything if she wasn't there so i mean that's true i mean i guess ryan could have but he only knew so much yeah, and yeah, and it ultimately, I mean, 
it's always awkward in any film and it's the same thing in howl where uh you know uh they they kill a werewolf and then uh the smart guy in the room just happens to know something about them um so i mean like it's it's you will run you run that it that, and there are two different variations of it like exposition where mm-hmm. you have to either you know you have that character in howl who just kind of says like oh yeah there it's a werewolf um and that's what a werewolf is and, mm-hmm. and you and then you trust the audience to just know what a werewolf is yeah. um but then you have dog <laughs> soldiers where, where you want to get com- complicated about it you either have to introduce a you have to introduce a character that can deliver that information um why she ends up being a werewolf i'm not sure um i think that ultimately uh, my assumption would be to keep it uh a uh, uh, male struggle um i think uh, to- she mentioned something i think i might have wrote it down because she says something like i came out here to be one with nature and i found it right so i'm wondering if she went out there to see if the stories were true and ended up getting attacked, but didn't obviously wasn't killed. So then all, now she's can't leave. Cause she's, part you, mean of the pack. she's you mean she was bitten before at the, before the beginning of the film. Yeah. That's why she that's what it, yeah. I feel like that's what's being implied. Cause she said, she's like, I came like, out here to be one with nature. And I, cause she already knew the people who lived there. Right. And it was right. their house and it was their friends. And she would, if she had been bitten previously, how would she know they were nice and kind people and good people and that they were werewolves? Right. She I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I what I mean is like, do you think she was bitten like, well, uh, in the, if, if we had followed her story instead of them, like uh, while they were in the jungle, like out in the forest getting attacked, she was getting bit. Is that what you're saying? No, I think she was already, I think she was already a werewolf when Ryan first met her. Yeah, but she could have been bitten like 45 minutes before that. And then that might might explain why she didn't transform. I don't know. I don't yeah, but, yeah maybe I don't know. I just I just get the feeling that she wasn't um uh I don't know. Yeah. I feel like she was already a, a werewolf before that. Yeah. But maybe not long, not like these people obviously have been werewolves for for years. Yeah. You know, but I think she was still like I would say like in newborn phase, like maybe just a few months. Hmm. So, yeah. So, but that wouldn't explain why she did why she didn't transform until later. Yeah, but, I mean that could have yeah, and or just you know that because I get the feeling she wasn't happy about being one. There seems to be a there seems to be a, much like we talked about with uh, last time with like Rosalind um, mm-hmm. in uh, Company of Wolves of the idea of, um, and that's what maybe I'm now that I'm thinking about it maybe that is the case maybe she just got bit like right before the start of this movie. Like that's why she hasn't transformed is she's that there seems to be an idea of she's trying to choose which, which tribe she wants to belong to. Right. Um, <laughs> like, I feel like there's something to that idea that she seems to be feeling this out to be like, are you, are you good people or are you bad people? Um, do I want to be on your team or their team? Um, so maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's why she didn't, maybe she just got turned and hasn't transformed yet. And she's trying to decide whether or not she wants to side with them or side with the wolves. And ultimately she chooses the wolves because they're, I I wouldn't assume because of Ryan, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think she maybe, I think, I don't know. I I think like maybe, because it seemed like in the beginning she was really trying to help them. But when it got to the point where she saw that there was no way out they were gonna die that's when she kind of was like oh well i might as well join the wolves because i'm gonna save my own ass at that point right it's kind of the feeling i that's kind of the feeling i got was like well you know what now you guys are screwed even though i helped you and the werewolves know i helped you i'm gonna join them now because at this point now i'm not you know i the survival isn't for you guys it's for that pack and i'm joining that one yeah she lets them in yeah she lets them in and then even admits that she she said something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. Again, it was really hard for me to without closed captioning to catch everything. Well, I mean, so even I with even even with closed captioning, I watched it with closed captioning, and uh, even with that, I I still don't know who half of these characters were. Um, it's a it's a problem I think that happens with a lot of uh, when you put a bunch of British guys together, they they kind of bleed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the casting of this film in particular didn't. Like I was thinking about it in terms of, cause like I said, it's more or less like it took predator and aliens and threw them together mm-hmm. and predator and aliens. One of the things that both those films do is make very, very specific 
casting choices so that they all the characters are different mm-hmm. and um uh in this they went more with a, a uniform identity that to the point where uh, other than the four main main characters like the three main leads and, and the the antagonist um i'm not sure who anyone I, by the end of it once they cut down on other characters i was like okay i know who spoon is now um because he was, he was a good character he's the only one that's left yeah yeah um so yeah I mean, <laughs> so there's a lot of things that in this watching this movie that i was still like i'm like i don't really know what's going on or who that guy is um i get that they're sad that he's dead because he's one of their people but um i it was one of my one of the one of the things i i i would criticize this film for is that i don't feel like the character most of the ca- uh characters are um are standing out you know, in a way that uh, it was something that, and I, interesting enough, he would, uh, Neil Marshall would go on to make the descent and do the exact opposite where once again, where we had a group of female characters mm-hmm. who were all very different and we could, we could follow who each person was. Um, dog soldiers, not so much um, outside of maybe those four characters and then Spoon because he's just literally the last guy left uh, other than the main lead characters. He's also the one who chews gum the entire time. Yeah. Kind of how I, I remembered who he was because he's he never stops yeah. chewing gum. But speaking of Spoon, I'm like, I liked him. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I like that there was little quips of humor here and there. Not yeah. too much, but not too little. Sure. Where it was like, it felt very like forced. I'm like, there was the one where like, it's right in the beginning when they're getting dropped off and Sarge is like, I expect nothing than less than gratuitous violence from you guys. Like. Yeah. Or his quote about Little Red Riding Hood, where he, he's like, so if Little Red Riding Hood shows up with a bazooka and a bad attitude, I expect you to kill that bitch. Like, mm. I'm like, there's so many funny little things. And one of the ones that, there's two parts that really made me laugh. Like, was the one where Spoon's actually hammering the door mm-hmm. shut, and then the claw comes in through the mail slot, and he just starts whacking on the hand. I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, because it just was such quick wit and funny the way he did it. And his yeah. face is like, stop it. And then there's the one where the werewolf actually bust in and Sarge, everyone's grabbing weapons and Sarge ends up with a stick and he's like, fetch. And he yeah. throws it. Throws yeah. I'm like, so I did like that there was a little bit of like humor to kind of break up some of it. And it wasn't like over the top humor where it was too much. Cause yeah. sometimes too much is a little bit like, okay, now you're taking the scares away. But it then when there's the- not a- enough, it's like, you're kind of forcing it in there. But I think this movie did a good job about balancing that out by giving you that action, the scares, but then kind of breaking it up here and there with that, that little bit of humor. So those are just a, a few of the humors. Yeah, the I only one kind of the only one that made me kind of roll my eyes was uh, after Spoon is dead. And they're like, where's Spoon? There is no Spoon. I'm like, oh, come on. Did but, you also say only Zool? <laughs> I, I did catch that one. I did like that. <laughs> I, started, I started saying that when that part happened. He's like, where's Spoon? There is no Spoon. I'm like, only Zool. And I was like, I well, would say that to the, t- to the screen. <laughs> there is no Spoon is from The Matrix. And, oh, I yeah, just, yeah. oh, I didn't think of that. I just thought of there is no Dana, only Zool. Oh, no, there is no Spoon <laughs> is, is literally a line from The Matrix. Uh, uh, I haven't where, seen that movie in so long. Uh, yeah, but uh, uh, Neo meets a, a little kid in the uh, Oracle's apartment, and he says he's bending the spoon with his mind, and, and mm-hmm. Neo says, like, how can you do that? And he's like, you just keep your, in mind one, uh, one un- undeniable fact, there is no Spoon. Oh, and it okay. became kind of one of those lines that got, got crossed into pop culture where a lot of people would say there is no spoon. Oh. Uh, so the movie was doing that, you know. Oh, okay. like, I, I, spoon? I literally oh, thought there, there Ghostbusters. Oh, uh, no, it was the only one that made me roll my eyes was that they were like, there is no spoon. And I was like, oh, come on. Okay. Um, uh, that made me but, laugh because I was thinking Ghostbuster. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, we're getting uh, we're getting up on uh, on time. Do you want to talk about your kills? Yeah, um, I wanted to quickly talk about um, before we get to that the the actual story that unfolds mm-hmm. with Ryan. So um, we find out that Ryan knows about these. He's special ops, special weapons force. He wants to get one of these, like you said, to be a super soldier, and they can use it mm-hmm. for their benefit. But that you realize that that troop of men were brought there, told they were on a training mission, um, given blanks in their guns Mm -hmm. and were expendable. They were bait. And he even, oh man, do I even have what he said? He said something that was really good. He was like, you were, 
Um, cause she's like, it, it turned out to be them. So they didn't even realize that there was multiples of them, but he was like, Oh, he's like, I, I made a gap in enemy lines. You, and he's talking to Cooper about the truth. Yeah. You were good enough to spot it and predictable enough to go for it. Mm-hmm. That was your bait and you were mine. Right. So they specifically put those men out there knowing, or at least thinking they were going to be killed so they could get the werewolf. And right. I was just like, that is, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, as that story's unfolding, cause like Cooper again is the one who kind of catches on to things. Mm-hmm. Cause he was like, so what's, what's happening? So that's interesting he, that that's the whole underlying story. Yeah. Really Cooper, is. Cooper sort of figure is figuring these things out because he was actually uh, good enough to, to get in to the yes. elite squad. He only didn't get in because he refused to obey Ryan's orders without question. Right. Um, but the, the idea is that he's that good. Um, yes. And uh, so, yeah, he figures all that stuff out, but, uh, but yeah, the, the idea of like, they were, they were meant to be a practice squad for the varsity team. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, even talk about how they don't really care about it. Uh, you know, when they get airlifted in and they're just like, okay, he says, yeah, I, I mean, you, and as you pointed out, Sarge says, you know, I expect quality violence, you know, um, they're like, we don't really care about this. And they're complaining more about like, you know, I miss my, my, uh, my soccer game, my football. Yes. Game. Yes. You know, the whole um, time he's missing the big game, missing the big game. Um, and uh, so, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's the, that idea of um, the expendability of it. I mean, again, that harkens back to predator where, you know, Dutch's team was meant to be uh, uh expendable assets as dylan puts it in that film you know they were they were lied to to get a job mm-hmm. on um yes. uh, aliens a similar you know the the mercs are were not really meant to find anything um no. and uh then they did and they were expendable um it's a common it's a, i think it's a thing in science fiction and horror that uh you know and again maybe to go back to maybe a little bit of your 9-11 uh uh you know uh connection that uh, almost any movie that has the government in it, the government can't be trusted. Right. Um, the government is almost always a villain. And um, as we found out yesterday, uh, our government actually is a villain. But, um, uh, but yes, the, uh, so, I mean, yeah, you do have that element. Yeah. That the, the British, British government clearly, uh, or British military at the very least, uh, clearly just is considered these guys to be nothing. Yeah. It didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting to finally like to hear that story and then it's like kind of piecing it all together. And then it's just like, that's just, but yeah, that's what happens. It's mm-hmm. awful. Um, I guess for some of my kills, cause there was a lot of them Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to go through all of them, but of course I think my favorite one was spoon cause sure. he's the one who gets picked up by the, the wolf and then looks at him and, and he's like, I hope I give you the, what does he say? He's like, I hope I give you the shit you fucking went yeah, and then spits in its face. Yeah. And then he goes and, um, uh, gets torn to shreds yeah well but you don't see it spoon's my favorite as well because i I, any movie that ever has um i I thought back to uh um the relative the the pretty lousy film friday the 13th part eight where the boxer (sighs) boxes with jason like i love any movie where the where a character just decides to get into fisticuffs with a uh with an enemy he clearly can't beat with fisticuffs um yes so, I mean, that was my favorite death was kill too, was Spoon uh, actually putting up a hell of a fight. Um, I said that, yeah. I mean, he's like, he yeah. might actually won if uh, another werewolf hadn't shown up. Yes. Um, I, mean, I mean, I saw him, he's like punching him, kicking him. He stabs him a bunch of times. He throws anything he can grab at it and then goes to get him with the big old frying pan. And then the other wolf shows up and, and he's like, but he wasn't going to go down without a fight. But that was my, I, that was something I noticed that you don't really see a lot of the kills actually happen. They're more off screen yeah you just see like the aftermath and that's kind of i don't know sometimes i like that sometimes i don't sometimes i want to see the kills but i don't know i think for this film it worked yeah not to see the actual like it's more implied and you can kind of think about it in your head but that one was and then sarge was a hard one because you know i don't know he was a good character too like he was a very yeah fun character to watch and then you know but you knew he was gonna do that yeah. He didn't want to be a werewolf. He was going to do whatever he could to stop that transformation. And even at one point has that conversation with Cooper where like, you know what you have to do if I turn, yeah. like I'm yeah. not, I'm not turning. I'm not going to become one of those. And then of course the Ryan wolf, as I called him at the very end, um, gets that sweet 
sweet kill where he finds that. I don't know if it was a letter opener or a knife. Opener. He finds something silver and then gets him in the chest and then shoots him in the head. And I was like, okay. I'm like, that was actually a very satisfying death. With an assist from the dog. Yep. Yes, the, the dog, dog, yes. The dog, the, dog, the, uh, the surrogate. It wasn't the same dog, but, you know, coming back <laughs> to Ryan wanting, uh, wanting him to kill the dog. And the dog knows Ryan's a dick. So, yeah. 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 Border Collie, everyone, I think they're the smartest breed of dogs, if I remember correctly. Uh, they're definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the videos where I think it's in Ireland where they have, they train the dog to actually like get the sheep to go in different positions. Yeah. And then make designs. It's pretty cool. They're, they're good dogs. But yeah, there wasn't really, I mean, other than that, there were a lot, like I said, I liked the, there were a lot of good deaths, but I liked that they weren't really seen. You kind of had to think, like, use your imagination to think about it. And I think that's what worked with this film because there was enough going on. Yeah. And again, like, I just love the, the werewolves. I just, I'm kind of happy I read that they were dancers because it made more sense to me because I just thought the way they moved was really, was very stunning. Yeah. I thought they were graceful. They weren't, you know, even the way they, like, could slink in because yeah. they were so tall under the doors wasn't, like, choppy. It was, like, they just, it was very, I don't know. It was stunning. No, yeah. It was beautiful. It was graceful. And I was like, oh, that makes sense now. So, Neil all Marshall, right, so yeah, uh, Neil, Mar Neil Marshall knew how to, uh, knew how to, uh, uh, knew how to make a, a, a really good looking movie with very little money. And, uh, and, you know, made the, the werewolves look great because he doesn't put too much, uh, uh, time on them. Um, you know, he doesn't, he manages to get a lot of mileage out of, uh, out of a little bit of gore. It's, it's a really, it's a really solid directorial, uh, I don't know if it was his debut, but it was close, but he, uh, he made a very solid film here. So it's good. It's like I said, it's actually one of my favorite, um, um, werewolf movies. And it's another yeah. one like Howl that popped up on one of those little lists I saw. And I was like, I have to see this. This one sounds really great. Yeah. It's under, it's under, it's now no longer is now, but it was under released. Um, where for a long time it didn't have like a Blu-ray mm. DVD. Um, now uh, I think Scream Factory has one out, put one out a couple years ago. But yeah, uh, I had a VHS copy from from like 2003, and that was how I I had it for years uh, because it never got a, a you know a, I don't I think it did in the UK but not in America, and um, I think now now it has. But so yeah, it was something of an under underseen film simply because it wasn't available. Um, so, well, hopefully more people see it. Cause it's yeah. a, I think it's a very solid, very good werewolf film. Like yeah. I like seeing a different take on it instead of the same thing rehashed over and over and over again. Right. I mean, I'll still watch those movies, but right. you know, I like seeing some, someone try to take a different take without, um, rewriting the entire mythology, I guess is what it is. Yeah. I don't, take some of it but then add your own and then i like seeing the different designs so absolutely all right so <laughs> that about wraps it up i guess for today <laughs> thank you everyone for joining us here on sinful sarah's horror menagerie again i'm your host sarah sin here with my partner in crime nathaniel thanks everybody hope you enjoy the show again thank you for listening and i just like to remind everyone that there's a horror movie out there for everyone to enjoy thank you <laughs>